O'Reilly Auto Parts, man, they are in the business of keeping your car on the road. They offer friendly and helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. You know the jingle? Oh, yeah. We're going to do the jingle at the end of this. Nice. I can't right? wait for it. Yeah. So listen. Listen to the end. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your car. Need your windshield wipers replaced? A brake light fixed or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, You'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, they're friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto. Do it yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com. That's O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly's Auto Parts. Ow! you better put that in there picture this it's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work you get into your car and turn on the ac to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible but it doesn't work instead blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face no your car doesn't hate you This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. What do you think? Did it get him? I am weird, dude. You are weird. <laughs> Mr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. That <laughs> <laughs> family picnic sometimes <laughs> gives you more than just a potato salad. That's the voice of my co-host and one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Mike Davis. We're screwed. What does that mean? No, we're not standing in that box together in our underwear. <laughs> are you kidding me, Mike? Oh, my God. That is hilarious. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. We're in the Bojangle studio, my co-host Mike Davis, uh, coming right off of yesterday's interview with Austin Hill. Um, Mike, that was a great opportunity to sit down with a current driver in the sport, one of the drivers actually in the Xfinity series that's relatively new to the scene, if you will. Um, Didn't know a ton about Austin, glad we got a chance to talk to him, hopefully nothing weird happens on the racetrack during the next couple of weeks between him and the Xfinity Series uh, JRM regulars. Uh, I don't know. I'm overly worried about that. Do you think? Well, you now that we've got the interview out of the am way, I gonna, now it can Am happen. I going to accidentally will this into existence? Well. Boy, I hope not. You might, you might do that. But listen, if it happens now, at least we don't have to face him in an interview right. setting. I guess it's never good. And there is the possibility. Probably. You know, like, at least – uh, he is going in this weekend um, basically f- fighting with Cole Custer and Justin Algar for yeah. two positions. So, yeah. ideally, Cole Custer could be the one out. Oh. And then and then nah, we would have less of a problem with that. We certainly want Justin right. Algar in. Sorry, Cole Custer. No, I'm not. Sorry, Cole. We want you out. Not me. I, I'm, I'm, that's what I want. All right. Uh, and so then, you know, you could have Austin and Algar in there. And then they can sort things out at Phoenix. Yeah. Sammy Smith and Chandler Smith and Sheldon Creed, they're 49 points or more out from uh, from the cut line. So they obviously have to go win at Martinsville. They're going to be up in there duking yeah. it out. Cole Custer's at plus three, Austin Hill's at plus three, and Justin is in fifth at minus three. So, yeah, it's pretty tight going into Martinsville. Um, we really didn't talk about that a lot because I didn't want it to go there. I didn't want it – I mean, it's ob- it, I, know, I know exactly what he wants. I know what we want. Um, but it was great to be able to – he was awesome uh, about just – he was a great talker. You give him a question, he would run for a while. He would. Very easy, right, as an interviewer. Um, learned a lot about his childhood, how he got into racing, 
learned I appreciated uh, learning about him being a little hands on with all his own stuff as he's as he's growing up. He was very involved in his in his racing uh, physically, working on his cars and so forth. Um, also loved learning about how he has understood the B2B business and actually turned in, uh, you know, turned a, a brand and a company into a full-time sponsor that's currently funding his uh, Xfinity effort at RCR. So, you know, where his father had been a big supporter of his financially, that's no longer the case, you know. Um, so he's gotten to a point in his career where he's not only doing the things that you want a driver to do behind the wheel, but he's also activating and, and creating, you know, sponsor interest for himself outside the car. Gosh, man, when drivers do that, it makes it so much easier for an owner like Richard Childress to be able to, you know, give you everything you need. But also, Richard knows he's got a great race car driver. Right. You know, Richard knows that he's a he's a wheelman, and he's still evolving in his in his abilities and talent. But great conversation with Austin. And uh, curious to see what he can do going into the Cup Series. I don't know when he'll get there. I didn't want to say this in front of him, and it would be tough to say in front of Austin Dillon as well. My opinion on all of that, and I think you may share this, is that Austin Dillon is absolutely got plenty of racing years in front of him mm. if he wanted to continue to compete. But in my mind, if I was Austin, I would be looking for the exit ramp, and I would be, if, if, it, if this is possible, if there's a path for Austin Dillon to become the face of RCR in the same vein that Richard Childers is the face of that series of that sh- of that organization, I would be looking for that exit ramp if I was Austin, mm. and saying, "Hey, man, I need to, I want to, I want to get into the business side of our organization as soon and fast as possible, right? To be able to understand exactly how this thing needs to run." Now, there's a person in the middle there, you know, Mike Dillon, Austin's dad, that probably also. Want some influence there, but I think that he would make way for his son Austin Dillon to uh, to sort of take over the reins. Richard's not going to be around forever. Somebody needs to, and, and I know Austin's already probably doing this, but somebody needs to sort of be preparing themselves to continue RCR and whatever it is beyond Richard Childers. And and so while I think Austin has plenty of great years racing cars. They've got a great little race car driver right there that could take over that cup car. Yeah. Um, you know, for for Richard and 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 Austin. So, it'll be interesting. I think that that's in play. Not sure exactly what the timeline is, but I believe that that's sort of the the possible direction and it'll be it'll be I'll be curious to see really what what uh what the timeline is, how quickly that happens. Let me tell you, for me, when that started to become a little evident, and that was in the acquisition or the alluring of Kyle Bush over, apparently, from <clears> what <throat> I hear from public statements, Austin Dillon was the one that really kind of helped move that along. Yeah. That was the first time where, you know, for me and probably a lot of other people, just to go, hmm, maybe he's like he he's the guy that could be the – you know, the business guy. If You know, I never knew if Austin Dillon would have any of the business acumen or the interest of taking that role, but we know his dad did. It's funny you say this because me and a buddy of mine, as we were watching the, the race from Homestead Sunday, we had this very debate on Austin Dillon. What is his future? And, and, and we were having this debate because I told him that Austin Hill was going to be on our show this week. And, and it's like, yeah, what is – what does Austin Dillon do uh, moving forward? Like, how many more years does he have? And I've always, like, fi- figured Austin Dillon, and what's your response to this? Like, you've got – you would love to have a stable full of A-list drivers. Like, A-list drivers winning races, you know, two, three, four races a year. Kyle Busch is an A-list driver. How realistic is it to have a stable full of A-listers? Or is a B, uh, you know, B, B-minus – to me, Austin Dillon has always been a good B-level driver for an organization. He's won a Daytona 500. He can, he's competitive. He's trying to get into – he's got years that are not so great or whatever. But, like, you know, if – depending on a charter, uh, depending on if they go out of third team or whatever that is, um, you know, we were just trying to figure out what would Austin Dillon be looking like for the next four or five years. And you bring up the point that you think, and I, I tend to agree with you. 
man, who is going to be the next face or the next guy at at uh, at Richard Childress Racing? I doubt it's Mike Dillon. Like, he probably wants to enjoy the rest of his life as well. You know, they've got great people over there. We're fans of RCR. Austin Dillon. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, Austin ran great this weekend at Homestead. Um, as long as he's having, you know, as long as he's seeing his potential, it may be a lure to keep him in the car. Mm-hmm. It may want him. Honestly, man, if I was Austin, I know it's hard for him to – understand this or see this but if i was austin i would be i'd be out of the cup car i'd be running the business trying to learn underneath richard as much as i could and then run you know a dozen xfinity races in a car that's capable of going out there and winning um and having fun but also having time with my family i could see that being a very happy place for austin now he may not see that in his world, he may think, no way am I leaving this cup car. I want to race this cup car, and I've, I've got unfinished business here. He ran good this past weekend. I think as an owner, one A-list vet, like a Kyle Busch, a Kyle Larson, that is really – you need one in your stable. you know. And I think one is enough. Financially, it's really great to have – a lot of young prospects, right? I look at William Byron and how, as an owner, that's affordable, right? Right to bring in a William Byron when he's coming out of the Xfinity Series or a Tyler Reddick, right? If you have a bunch of A-list guys, they got to get paid like A-list guys. That's right, right. And who could afford that? Not a lot of teams can afford to pay two, three A-list guys, right? So you have that one A-list vet, that Larson or whatever it is that you need that's out there. He's going to be getting a nice base and going to be pretty expensive. Um, and then you, you're you going to have to take some flyers on some you know, guys with potential, like an Austin Hill. That's right. You know, And you're going to trust that vet. You're going to say, hey, man, I, I am not only entrusting you to go out here and perform and win for us, and as your, your paycheck and talent would assume, but you're also going to be showing this rookie how to win. You're going to be talking to him during the week and sh- you know, shepherd him throughout the um, season and develop him into an A-list you yeah. know, champion. Being a good teammate uh, is, is not – uh, 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 is not a comment or a phrase to be taken lightly. It's, 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 it carries a lot of responsibility. It's certainly what you expect of your drivers at Junior Motorsports. Algar is that, that yeah. veteran, that staple, that, that person, that people, you're like, I need you to help these yeah. young kids that we have Elliot, come through Sadler, here. and Byron. I mean, there was a balance there. Yes. They get, and the veterans, man, it tests them because they get frustrated. The drivers beat them. The drivers run into them. Mm. The drivers do things that really get under the grind their gears, man. Noah, you know, pushed all our guys around and t- and tested their patience, right? Um, and you know, but the veterans have to kind of regroup, retool, and then continue that mentorship. Yeah, you know, attitude, and um, th- that's what the owner needs them to do, right? Yeah. Um, and so. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens at RCR. They're still they're still evolving. That 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 Kyle Busch hire was a big big deal, a great thing uh, for RCR. And I think that next move is going to be a critical one. Yeah. So let me tell you a couple other things I I, I took away from that conversation with Austin Hill. Uh, one is his honesty and candor really did strike me as being somewhat unique. And I and I I hope that most people that sit at this table are honest. I we assume they are. But for him, he did get into some details that we weren't even asking about or we didn't really expect him to do, but we didn't know either, right? But he uh, exceeded my expectations in how much he was willing to just share. He was just put out there, you know, whether it be the the fighting and the things that, you know, led up to that or particularly the thing that I love to watch, and this isn't just exclusive to him, but it's also anytime that you get somebody that's really good at restrictor plate racing or drafting tracks – as we know them to be now. I love just watching you, the conversation between you two and the dynamics because you guys now are speaking a language that me and, you know, I certainly don't speak and I don't understand, but when you guys are talking about the attitudes of cars and this, that, and the other, like 
it, it is fun just to take it in. And and you had Austin who is who admits that he also is still learning the the drafting, still a work in progress. But he does have that knack, that little instinctual thing that the greats do have, and you recognize that. And I did appreciate that. Uh, and that that was a fun moment for me watching you guys go yeah. back and forth on that. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or the neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. and You know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On Homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. NASCAR history and heritage come alive at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Celebrate my fellow inductees Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Knauss with their class of 2024 artifacts enshrined in the Hall of Honor. Don't miss the Ford Performance Showcase. It's a new inside NASCAR exhibit that showcases the Ford Mustang's next-gen car through its design and innovation. The latest edition of Glory Road explores over 75 years of racing history with its cool 33-degree banking and 19 cars on display. On Mondays and Fridays, there's guided tours that take you behind the scenes with incredible stories and access to a NASCAR Hall of Fame insider. Or you can explore the hall at your own pace with the new mobile hub. It's a digital experience. Get behind the wheel of a realistic iRacing simulator. Or you can learn how fast-paced pit stops work with the Pit Crew Challenge. From the legends who shaped the sport to the new heroes earning a spot in the record books, the NASCAR Hall of Fame delivers an unforgettable experience. Book your visit to the hall today at nascarhall.com. All right, so um, great conversation. Great to have Austin come through. Uh, look forward to you know the next current uh, Xfinity driver that we get a chance to learn about and bring them through. Um, I want to uh, touch on uh, some conversations that have been happening in the industry. Um, they had a racers forum where Jeff Gordon uh, made a comment about building up the drivers versus building up the team. And he explained that he would like NASCAR teams to have fan bases that rallied around them regardless of who's driving their cars, much like fan bases rally around professional sports teams in other major sports. Let's quote Jeff here. In all other sports, the teams are kind of what the fans are all drawn to. I'm a 49ers fan. No matter who the players are, I think we all have a role as teams to build that brand up. He emphasized, though, that the drivers are still the stars of the show, but I don't know if that's really possible to – I will say, like Trackhouse is chipping away at that possibility. So when Trackhouse came around, Justin Marks, name, you know, the name of the team alone, right, is not Justin Marks Motorsports. It's not Justin. It's not Justin's last name. A lot of teams, right? Joe Gibbs Racing, Hendrick, uh, Keselowski. All they're all, you know, they're all tied into the owners specifically. Um, Trackhouse was a brand, and they said right out of the gate that they wanted to build this incredible facility right there on Broadway and turn their race shop into a destination where fans would come, party, eat, but also see the, the team preparing and working and readying themselves for the next season, and they wanted to be Nashville's team. And so with that, I think with that, idea this is possible but with all of the teams residing right here in concord charlotte within literally 60 miles of each other that it's not possible i don't believe it's going to be more difficult for the brand for the teams to create brands that separate themselves from each other enough to where you're going to have fans you know that can get 
die hard behind a team? And how does a team that's been branded one thing forever, like RCR, right? Mm -hmm. How does it get? How does it create a real equity and substance behind that? Whereas Trackhouse is sort of doing that. You know, Pitbull named his album Trackhouse. Trackhouse has got logos in other forms of sport. Uh, their brand is on other athletes in different sports. They're sort of trying to create an identity that's that's unique uh, to what we know as a race team. Mm-hmm. And maybe, in turn, creating a fan base that loves all things track house, right? Mm-hmm. Much like someone may love Chevrolet, Ferrari. Manufacturer loyalty. Right. Right. And so that's where, uh, you know, I know, I know what Jeff wants. Yeah. Yeah, but, that, yeah. But, man, trying to create that, I think our – I think one thing that really stands in the way is literally the brand and the logo and the name of the team, right? Mm-hmm. Like JR Motorsports. Mm-hmm. That, you know, when I named it that, I was naming Junior Motorsports because it's my race team. Maybe that wasn't the best choice in terms if I'm trying to create a national brand that's going to draw all these people in, right? Right, right. You're almost trying to just name an LLC, yes. but who gives a lot of thought to that, right? No Nobody, yeah. right? Hendrick, all those, right? You would, yeah. And so that's where I think if if any if anybody's if this is truly really possible, I don't even know if it is. If it's truly really possible, the only team that's inching that way or getting close to the creating that reali- reality is Trackhouse. Uh, I mean, I I can appreciate you think that. I don't know that I agree totally with that. I think that there's a lot of – I think that there's team affinity with Hendrick Motorsports. I'm not saying that it's overwhelming. The one thing I say in response to all this is I think Jeff is right, not in that that's what we all should – I think the teams have a role, and this was his quote, I think we have a role as teams to build our brand up. That is 100% true. That is 100% true. I don't know if – whether or not it's realistic that fans will all of a sudden just cheer for the team and in spite of the driver, that may not be realistic. I do think that teams should want to be able to have a brand strong enough because it's going to be a revolving door of drivers. Most real, you know, most likely you're going to have people come up, especially as we are in the Xfinity Series. But that's my question. I turn back to you. Junior Motorsports is way bigger brand than you would even give it credit for because. Our whole business model is to send them on, send our drivers on. Algar could be an exception. Sadler, there's people that do come back and end their careers here. But we're trying, we can't go build, uh, well, we wouldn't want driver affinity to be the sole purpose and the sole sponsorship attraction here because as soon as they get good, we, they're going going off to cup. So Junior Motorsports, you see people here, here and there with a JRM tattoo and stuff like that. I do think that there there is an element of team affinity for for the NASCAR fan base, not exclusively for sure. Um, but I do think that Jeff's right, and that we the teams have a responsibility to at least try for that. I don't I don't think Jeff's wrong. I just don't yeah. know how you do it. Um, at I mean in in F one. The teams are manufacturers. That's right. You know, for the most part. For now, the most part. For the most part. And so the the big affinity for some of the bigger teams is that manufacturer loyalty and the location of that manufacturer, right? That the country. In. That's right. And so we don't, we don't we have, that. have that. No, because we're all in the same place for the yeah, most part. We're all in the same place. And yeah, I mean, so, you know, there's multiple Chevy teams, there's multiple Ford teams. Um, it's just not necessarily going to be easy to, to, to turn and go in that direction, right, that he wants to go. Um, but I believe that look that some of the ideas that might help Jeff achieve that are already happening at Trackhouse. That's, that's, yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Look, Trackhouse, we don't look at Trackhouse and go, oh, that's old Tip Manassi. Trackhouse to right. me is like no, no, you're right. its own thing. Yeah. And it has done that in a year, in two years. It's done that in a very blink of an eye. It's created an identity, a brand that is really, I would give it a lot of credit. I mean, it's it's created something that usually takes decades. That's to right. Create. 
of consistent winning, yeah. by the way. Because, oh. again, Trackhouse, yeah, they're, they're on their way to what appears to be building a brand that's sustainable and it doesn't depend on a driver. If whoever comes in after Ross Chastain or Daniel Suarez or whoever – all of a sudden, they're not competing very well or whatever. Then the, the, the track house brand isn't going to sustain like we think it will. So Hendrick Motorsports has a legacy of being able to produce champions no matter who's in the driver's seats, right? Like the wins and championships. I think that's the Hendrick Motorsports legacy, and therefore there are Hendrick Motorsports fans. They used to be Jeff Gordon fans. Now they're maybe William Byron fans or maybe whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So you do have to win, but it does take decades. I do agree with that. Yeah. Interesting. Brad Kozlowski uh, made a comment on the Cup driver star power. Right now, there isn't real a really good return on investment for the teams to invest in driver star power. Mm. If a driver leaves, it's a big loss in that investment made, which is not great. And they don't get anything. They don't. They don't get any long lasting value. I can understand this. So the teams are hesitant to invest in creating stars. Because the driver could just up and go. That's right. And now the team is left holding the bag or holding the holding the holding the uh, invoice. Do you agree with this? Um. So, you and I went through this in the Bud days. Um, in my mind, the responsibility for creating star power rests on corporate America and NASCAR. The teams have a re responsibility to activate on opportunity to take advantage of opportunity much like you know you and jade gerst as publicists uh, were seizing chances when presented them but those were presented by our access that budweiser gave us yep nascar's enthusiasm right yep. to, to get in certain publications and get in get in uh get on in a certain sitcom or whatever um and so nascar use it's, it's nascar's role to utilize its leverage and its strength in the world and also whatever corporate sponsors that you have that may have that same connections or leverage and it's your team your pr team it's your race team right whoever's working for your race team that's that's paired up with whatever driver that person's got to be active got to be eager and at times, I'm certain co-calling people to try to see if there's interest to have that driver be a part of something, and it's I and it's absolutely, um, you know, got to be outside of the box, mm -hmm. outside of the normal racing, you know, publications. Um, but you did that. You were that person. So I mean, what is what is your opinion of of Brad Keselowski's? Uh, thoughts on you know creating star power and whose responsibility that is. I understand exactly what he's saying. It's uh, not as cut and dry as you would hope. Let's go back to the example you just mentioned, Budweiser days. I was I would have and I did agree with you that the corporate sponsors were the sole mover of a of of, of developing a driver's star power. Anheuser, but we, we can say this from our worldview. Did you just make that? Yeah, I made it. Well, this is the first. We've been shooting at this basket. He's wadding up papers and shooting them at a basket. Um, see, now you just derailed me because I'm now interested about where that basket is. All right, Budweiser. so the fact, but Anheuser Busch was uh, extremely influential because of how much money and access they had to all that stuff. It helped. It helped in a great way. Today, though, let's ask this question. We've got to be honest. Is the is the way the corporate landscape in NASCAR today? Are they even capable of building a star with as much – the way sponsorships are all divided up, I mean, the cost of it. I mean, like, I don't I don't know, with the exception of maybe Denny and FedEx, I can't even think of a consistent corporate sponsor that even relates to the driver in which they represent. They don't do it long enough for it to even develop an equity. At least – and even Denny's is broken up. FedEx, you know, they took – and now Mavis and others are uh, on there. Is Mavis responsible for the Denny Hamlin? Or today with the landscape, is the driver most responsible for how, how much in the, the team the driver builds around them, whether it be the race team or their own personal team? I think that it's shifted to that. I don't think the corporate sponsor has as much pull on this anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I think the dollars and the budgets and the, uh, so the way the media landscape's changed. Budweiser, we can depend on a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. You know, the, who in the NASCAR, who's doing that now? So I think that the drivers 
so have a, as much or if not more responsibility i look around the sponsorship i look around at sponsors on side of the race cars and they're still large corporate america companies that also invest and spend in other areas and that's where i think you know if fedex is you know sponsoring or if they're if they're branding on a stadium or for a national sports team sure like i mean there's ways that they all need to it's almost like the b2b you know there's ways that they need to you know napa and and chase golly i mean all i know they don't make national commercials like they used to like michael waltrip did for years right that ran in every single race but um you know there's got to be certain ways that that that's i believe the drivers you know will their drivers don't have to be willing like they get contracted into certain responsibilities um i didn't go willingly shooting all those commercials uh, i know you, we 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 joke about that but i do think you, you were savvy enough to know the benefits to it <clears throat> i think you did well, am i wrong I oh come on I don't know. I could have been doing something else. Again, that's not what we're debating. Of course, you could have been doing something else. Yeah. I'm saying is that you did recognize. Um, listen, I, I, I'm not saying that that's not happening now in terms of the co- the corporate influence. I'm just my point on this is that I don't think that they're sole driver. I, I'm. I mean, I, Brad, I don't. I don't think Brad, as an owner, should feel any responsibility to spend money, invest on creating a star. I think he should be asking his partners. That to do what they can and use that driver wherever possible that that driver is available to them here he you have you have put your name on this car i will make my driver go wherever you need him to be and if that can actually help introduce him to more people whether that's a you know a national media spot or um you know going to their national sales convention in front of ten thousand of their employees whatever right yeah um I need you to tell me, and he's yours. That's right. I, I mean, again, I think the driver's ability, I think they have a little bit more weight in that, and that they also can disrupt that more than I've ever known it to be. Maybe I'm wrong on that. The, the interesting thing also, and I don't know if this particularly relates to it, but there was a shift, if you'll remember this. Like, when I was working for you, I worked. I didn't work for DEI. Yeah, I was working with you as the you know the fingerprint incorporated, which was the publicity agency for Hired Budweiser. By Budweiser. There was a shift where the teams started baking in the PR internally, and the sponsors let that happen. Yeah, they started saying, okay, whether it was in budgets or whatever reason, the team said we want to handle the PR. Boom. So to Brad's yeah. to, to, a counterpoint to Brad. And I don't know what the, the, the Kozlowski Racing setup is, but if they start taking in their own PR, then they do have a responsibility of, of some point. Well, they're choosing. They're, they're making the choice to, that that's now their their job to invest in that driver. If you're – it's a great point, Mike. I see what you're saying. So is it – is it is it maybe an ad is it maybe advice to to Brad or any owner out there to put the onus back on the partner to have the PR firm hire the hire the creative? I mean, in Brad's point to say we can't invest in the building up Brad a star would park, probably love to sh- to hand that off to that, that would be an interesting conversation with Brad, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, because again, if what I'm hearing him say is true, he shouldn't have a problem doing that, right? Yeah. But then the team's going all, to King's Wine and saying, Hey, you guys, y'all right. hire the creative and PR firm that's going to show up at the racetrack and and shepherd the driver around of responsibilities and appearances throughout the year. And, all and make our sponsor happy so yep. that they want to keep investing in here. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, you can make that it's a conversation worth having. That's also that's also probably. I mean, obvi- I think that would have to be a better way for it to work because, um, the the sponsor's the one really with the better connections to, you know, to media, right? To 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 magazines to. Well. Yeah, outside the industry, exactly. Uh, yes. Right. We the idea would be, hey, look, we've got Claire B. Lane covered. You don't need to develop a relationship there. We've got Bob Pockrass covered. Go go pitch us into places that we can't get. Yeah. That should be the idea, which would be the advantage of having a publicity arm that's not race team controlled. Sure. Yeah. Because then, what happens when 
the drive, you know, what happens when it's race team control is the driver can start to manipulate things quite a bit. Thank you. Yeah. And that's what's happened. Yeah. That's now what's the driver's happened. like, yeah, I'm not available. Exactly. And you know what? They don't have to sort it out or answer to the sponsor necessarily. It's just sorting out with the with the race team owner. It right. it, it can be detrimental, frankly. And it, yeah. and it has been in some cases. We cracked the code, Mike. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open i don't want to miss a thing yeah you, you know you gotta act quick yes and when you want the best you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead it's like if you're hiring for a business you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up mm. so what's the best way to do that zip recruiter ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast and right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash dale jr ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I think it's also time to go to some Ask Jr. Why don't we bring up um, our YouTube page? Let's get connected to the world outside using that incredible Xfinity 10G network and... Um, You've uh, all compiled all your questions to Xfinity Racing on Twitter, and we're ready to answer them, answer them. so Alex is going to get it fired up. All right, our first question is from Kenny. Um, did running the Xfinity race on Saturday help you call the cup race on Sunday at all? Absolutely. Uh you know, I, I got out there and, and, and drove the car and understood some balance issues with the track and some of the challenges of trying to run the high line. The bottom, actually, in one and two worked really, really well. And so that was something that um, I thought would happen in the cup race, and it did. Uh, we leaned heavily into that narrative of running the wall, right, in our pre-race. Um, we had uh, produced you know, sound bites around it. I did a voiceover for this little piece. Uh, and it was important to run the wall. You know, there were some cars that made good time up there. But in the Xfinity race, I did understand that the track's a little bit wider for this particular weekend than I think we expected. And that bottom groove did come in handy for several cars throughout the day in in all the races, really. Um, and so that was that's like one example of something. So, you know, you go into the race a little more open-minded, it ain't like, hey, man, you got to make the top work or you're done. You know, you can actually find some speed elsewhere. Awesome. Um, this next question has something to do with the pre-race. Uh, Melanie, uh, she watched a Pitbull interview pre-race, and she wants to know if there's a celebrity or athlete you wish you could interview like that. Well, I um, I don't think there's one that stands out, to be honest with you, but it's always um, nerve. It's always nerve-wracking, you know, there, it, at Homestead, I got to interview Pitbull. You know about that. It's on the show sheet in the morning. You get up, and they're like, hey, here's the, here's the, here's the countdown to green show sheet. And you read this show sheet, and there's like, okay, they're going to toss it to Dale Jr. and Burton, and you're going to be somewhere, and that's what you're doing. You don't get to really choose. I mean, th th you do get some influence, but it's, it's pretty much, you know, all spelled out for you what you what they want you to do and what they'd rather you talk about and some of the topics that they think are, are prevalent and so you know in those moments you get to you get to say what you want i get to ask pitbull what i'd like to i certainly go to my producer and say hey what do you want asked of of pitbull or whoever it may be we're interviewing but i i say you know hey you know one of the when when a celebrity comes when a celebrity comes to nascar right and then they experience it Right, they've been there that day. They watched the race or whatever. I really want to know their impression. Did they like it? Is it better than they thought? Is it not good? What? Right. I want to know what that person thinks. What they're. What are they going to go back and tell 
their friends? What are they going to say? You know, and so that's my first thing. And that, and that was my question to Pitbull. You've been in this deal for a couple years now. What do you love about it? What, what, is, what do you think? What is NASCAR to you? Um, and so he was full of energy, great guy, really genuine, fun to talk to, easy. Sometimes you get nervous about doing that, uh, doing an interview with a celebrity because you're not sure how well they'll work with you in those moments and how happy they'll be to be doing the interview on camera. Um, we see some pretty, uh, we see some extremes there when you watch F1 broadcast, right? Mm -hmm, you yeah. get some celebrities on the grid that don't even want to do it, right? And so it can be, uh, but usually that stuff's teed up and they're ready. They know, we know they're coming. They know they're going to be part of the show and they're kind of, they're kind of ready to switch it on. But, um, I'll be honest. I don't think Pitbull switches it on. I think he's like that all day, every day. Um, he's got great energy and I interviewed, uh, Michael Jordan at Homestead a couple of years ago. Um, you're just always nervous, you know, but excited. And it's a great experience when you're done. You're like, man, that went well, you know. Hopefully that went well. You really have to wait till somebody texts you on the phone and tells – luckily Morgan Overstreet texts mm. me after that and she goes, that was a great interview. And I'm like, thank you so much for sending that text because <laughs> yeah. I really don't know whether it was good <laughs> or bad. And so um, we talked about this uh, – we talked about that interview – and how we were scrambling on the grid right before um, we went live in dirty air. So you'll want to listen to that because it was pretty pretty comical how it all uh, went down. We almost were 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 not ready. Yeah. So I'll say that. But. Yeah, I think his uh, the fact he named his album Track House tells how all in he really is yeah. with it. That was yeah. pretty cool. Uh, next one is from uh, Aran. Uh, what did you think of the action from Tri-County Speedway in the car store? Both races had a lot of action. Oh they gosh. did, yeah. All right, here it is. Yeah. Um, you know, Tony Sr., right? He's my old crew chief mm -hmm. from the Cup days. He was there. He was helping. Uh, he was with Tony Jr., and they were helping uh, Chris Wright in the pro race. And so t the pro race is happening, and Tony Sr. texts me, and he goes, is this your series? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, stick around, man. The late model stock race won't be this way. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I'll be honest with you, man, straight up. The pro race was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I want things to be sensational. I want there to be um, some controversy. I'm okay with drivers going over that line um, and maybe being a bit aggressive, but a lot of what I saw was egregious and just too much, right? Um, the last lap, uh, you know, the guy just really got just got dumped. And we've seen that there before at that exact same racetrack and that exact same corner and that exact same situation a, couple, a year or two ago, um, a guy getting turned off turn four at the, coming to the checker and in the pro late model race. And so the deal with the pros is the 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 the, the drivers um, at, at times are a lot younger, a lot they're still working on their race craft, they're still understanding the the do's and don'ts. And I think that they need a different um they need a different experience when it comes to the driver meeting. Um, they need a little bit different instruction. And Jack, who works with us at the Cars Tour, does a really good job. When he's got to say something about rough driving or wrecking with a young driver, he's very convincing. And so maybe there's something that we do a little bit differently. So we have this sort of all-in drivers meeting and everybody comes, and it's all the pros and the late models, and maybe there's a little bit of a tailored experience for both, right? Not that our late models are immune to that same sort of shenanigans. I mean, my own drivers have been penalized races for intentionally wrecking drivers. So it does happen in the late model stocks, but it just seems like the late model stocks and at the pro at the uh, cars tour level, the late model stock drivers have been in the series a lot longer, and there's a bit there's there's a bit of a veteran presence there, Bobby McCarty and a few other guys that will not tolerate, you know what what some of those other drivers are doing on the racetrack. Deep, 
uh, Deke McCaskill, and a couple of those guys are there. And not only are they great stewards of the tour, but they also help those younger drivers really understand where the limit is, right, what's tolerated and what's not. Uh, the pro class doesn't really have that veteran presence. It's a lot of young kids really just trying to learn how to race. And so I wasn't shocked or surprised. I was more disappointed <laughs> and embarrassed a little bit by the pro series. And, you know, you're not going to have that every single week, but every once in a while it's going to happen and you just have to, you know, try to get to the get to the drivers, have a conversation with them, tell them, look, man, you know, we, we cannot have this. Um, it's even worse when it spills over into the pitch. you got grown people fighting like kids, shouting over the roofs of race cars at each other. Um, it's a really bad look. Yeah. What did yeah. you think about uh, the uh, late model stocks with Butterbean taking it home? Butterbean just, you know, spanked them, man. He, he, they, they, they've been fast there, um, and they kind of got one taken away from them at the last race at Tri-County, so they got the redemption that they wanted. Um, Bobby McCarty and Stevie Nassie had a great battle for fifth, which was, which was good. Um, I like it when, you know, the pro – I like it when the super guys come run our late model stocks. You know, Stevie Nassie ran with us, and Bubba Pollard ran with us before, and so um, we'd love to see, you know – um, all these drivers get them a late mile stock car come show come show up every once in a while and have some fun with us um, I'd love for our cup organizations and Xfinity teams like um, uh, one uh, there's a there's a few Xfinity teams that have some late model stock cars um, Alpha Prime I think has one but uh, I'd love for our, our Xfinity and truck teams and cup teams to house a late model stock car that they, you know, would, would either run the full or limited schedule on the cars tour. And so we'd have some, you know, some some more teams trying to compete. They had 30 cars at Tri-County. That's a great car count, and that's plenty. We had to actually add a couple cars to the field. But um, I'd certainly love to see some of these other teams, you know, start buying race cars and start start showing up. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, a couple more for you here. Uh, this one, I love this question. Uh, Katie wants to know, uh, who would the NASCAR equivalent to be like Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey? Wow. Who, would it be Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin? That's the sum she gave. Blaney, I think, is off the market. Um, yeah. I think Chase Elliott is Chase Elliott is our hope, right? That's that equal star power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was that. Uh, who was the Who was the girl that? I think she was... Oh, uh, Livy Dunn? Yes. Talking about that? I believe that Chase went to NASCAR and said, I think she's cool. I'd love to meet her. And I think it would be great for NASCAR if you invited her to come to the track. It would show, um, you know, maybe some of her fans might be curious as to what why she was there. And they may then, in turn, experience NASCAR for the first time. So I believe uh, Chase sort of uh, leveraged that actually happening which was really cool on chase's part but um yeah it's gonna be if if anybody i think it's gonna be chase elliott mm -hmm. it's gonna have to if anybody can 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 create that type of uh you know that buzz buzz in the sport it would be him yeah like you got a suggestion at all chase elliott, chase elliott. right yeah it's pretty spot on uh last one here from kelsey uh what's the silliest rumor you've heard about yourself um, I hear a lot of, uh, I, that, you know, it's a lot of times it's, uh, owning property in places that I don't own property. <laughs> really? I mean, there was a rumor that me and Michael have better ones than this, but, um, there was a rumor that me and Matt Kenseth had property together up in Wisconsin somewhere, uh, <laughs> that I was, oh man, uh, they, my my buddy said you was on a uh, snowmobile last year bar hopping with with uh, Matt Kenseth. I'm like, no, never did, never <laughs> did that. Um, but it's uh, yeah, you're buying property, or you're gonna buy property, or you bought property, or you own property, or you're gonna build a racetrack somewhere. Um, I hear that from time to time. Yeah. There there was a time, you know, it's funny kind of going back to the last question. Dale was the bachelor that everybody rumored to have been, you know, somebody's dating. And I remember for a while, what's the girl's name that won the very first American Idol that the Oh, uh, 
Kelly Clarkson? Kelly Clarkson. Oh. There was that rumor <laughs> that they were dating, which was funny only because I remember this because Kelly Clarkson did come to Daytona and did meet Dale right after driver's meeting. I don't know if you remember yeah. this, but she it was – it was funny because she goes, oh, yeah, we're rumored to be dating in all the tabloids, <laughs> and it's good that. to finally meet you. That's funny. <laughs> and, 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 like, so since we're dating, it's, you know, according to all the tabloids, it's probably good that we meet, you know, or something like that. And it yeah. was kind of funny. Yeah. She's awesome. I've had I've, – every time that I've actually crossed paths with her, man, she's been super nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah super su- nice. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, that's all I got for you. All right. Great questions, man. Um, hope everybody enjoyed their, their weekend. I hope you enjoyed Homestead. I had a blast. Um, not sure where we're going to run next year. We're definitely going to run a, run another race next year, uh, and I'm looking forward to Martinsville racing right up the road from the house, about an hour and twenty minutes, and um, we're only two races to go, and we're going to figure out who this champion's going to be. All right, man, great show. I appreciate everybody uh, listening to us this week. I hope you uh, tuned in Tuesday and and uh, Wednesday as well for Austin Hill. Um, thank you to uh, to all of our other entities, uh, Actions Detrimental, Door Bumper Clear, Speed Street, and uh, the guys at Dirty Mode Doe. It's been a fun week, and we're, we're running out of races, yep. and that means our season's coming to an end. Uh, it's been a long one this year, but a fun one. We've got a few more shows left, Mike. That's right, man. Looking forward to it. But uh, fun, fun uh, bunch of episodes this week, and uh, have fun at Martinsville, my man. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to going yeah. and watching some racing. I had fun racing in the Xfinity Series. Now I'm tired. I'm ready to take a break <laughs> and uh, watch this season play out. And hopefully it's going to be good for us at Junior Motorsports and uh, obviously uh, exciting on the cup side as well. So we'll see you at the racetrack. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.